Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest in today's show, Kevin Ingram. Kevin, of course, the sideline reporter for Vanderbilt Football. The Vandy Sports Podcast is presented by Jody Jones, DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after general and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. Jody has earned the title of number one in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many athletes, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate service to all of his patients. Jody never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Special thanks to Jody for being the title sponsor of this season. Today's news is presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Well, Vanderbilt will have a continued presence in the Major League Baseball playoffs. The Atlanta Braves beat the Reds two games to none. So Dansby Swanson and Kyle Wright will advance to, I guess, what's basically the quarterfinals of the MLB playoffs, the semifinals in the National League. They will play either the Cubs or the Marlins next week. Kevin Ingram appears on the guest line. That is presented by my good friend Scott Tannen at Bowling Branch. And I had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got some. They are fair trade certified, which means they're made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Kevin Ingram joins me. He's the sideline reporter for Vanderbilt Football. And Kevin, welcome to the broadcast. I bet you never thought when you did last week's broadcast that you would be closer to the baselines of Memorial Gym than you would be the sidelines <laughs> of any football stadium. Yeah, uh, that, that is uh, very true. I mean, we had found out uh, a couple weeks ago that we were going to be doing the, the Texas A&M game remotely. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting setup, but it, it went really well. Uh, we had, you know, we had a monitor that was uh, synced up with the audio that we were receiving from the uh, the stadium down uh, at Texas A&M. And, um, honestly, I, I hope this was the case, that those listening couldn't really tell that, that we weren't there unless they knew. Um, it all went really smoothly. Joe did a great job of calling the game off uh, off the monitor, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. The good news is you, you have a, a good close-in look uh, of, of the game. The bad news is in the bigger picture, there, there are other things you need to see. Um, you know, sometimes a yard marker, sometimes a penalty flag, uh, just sometimes just a little bit of orientation as to where you are on the field. But uh, overall, I thought it went really well. I really enjoyed working with, with Joe and Norman and Kirby again. It was a lot of fun. Kevin, you all had a tough job, but your job depends on being in the sidelines and bringing a certain perspective there. Your role is nothing like that, doing it the way you did the broadcast. How do you adjust for that? We actually uh, changed the way we did the broadcast a little bit. You know, typically I would be on the sidelines and, and just kind of giving a you know the perspective of what's going on down there, but we really turned it more into a three-man booth where. 
you know, Joe would do his part. Norman would, would analyze the play. And, and at times I would just jump in and give a little something extra. Or if, you know, there was a, there was a stoppage in play, whether it was a timeout or an injury or something, we had a little extra time. That might be a spot where I jump in and make, you know, some sort of observation of, of something I've noticed or something, uh, you know, a coach told me or, you know, just try to give a little more flavor and color to the game. So uh, that, that's sort of the way we approached it doing the game last week, because there, there's not really any way to replicate being on a sideline if you're uh, not actually on a sideline. So, yeah, we just, we just basically did it as a three man booth. What was your first take on Ken Seals? Boy, I was really impressed. Um, he, he did not look like a guy right out of high school making his first start uh, on the road as a true freshman. Uh, I thought he was really impressive. Uh, 20 of 29, 150 the touchdown. Did throw a couple interceptions, one on the tip ball. There was a, a killer toward the end of the game. I don't think the other one cost him anything. Uh, uh, it looked like sort of a, a miscommunication there, but I, I thought he he looked really poised. He made some great throws. The one to Abdul Rahman for the touchdown was terrific. I mean, it was it was in a perfect spot. Um, I was talking to Todd Fitch yesterday, and uh, he said the maturity really stood out for him. The ability to let things go when things go badly. Uh, he said he was been very consistent in his approach and, and accepted the challenge of uh, being the starting quarterback. And he played like it. He, you know, he's a Texas native. I'm sure he was extra jacked up playing at Kyle Field. Uh, but he, he just looked the part of, of the quarterback and looked everything uh, that, that you would want in, in a young man, you know, especially making his first start. I mean, that, that is not easy to do. And I was really surprised at the stat that he was only the third true freshman quarterback to start an opener uh, in the SEC since, uh, I guess, freshman became eligible in the 70s. That, that surprised me. But uh, first impressions were really good. We'll see if he can build off that this week because – you know as well as I do, people start to figure things out about you pretty fast. Uh, nobody had any video on this guy, and now they have a full game of it to watch You know when, when LSU uh, does this prep for this one. But uh, first impressions of number eight were very good, and now we'll see if he can uh, build off of it. Someone asked me when I was doing a radio appearance in Louisiana yesterday about Ken Seals, and this had never popped into my head until someone had asked me the question. But I dropped a Danny Werfel comp on him, and – let me be clear, okay? Danny Werfel has won the Heisman. <laughs> Ken Seals has got a long, long, long way to go before he gets there and, and, and probably won't, uh, if we're being honest, because, again, Danny Werfel won a Heisman and played in the league. But the point I was trying to make was that in terms of style, he reminded me of Werfel and just how the ball is deadly accurate. He seems to have command of the field. Uh, he seems to put it exactly where it needs to go. No, he did have two picks. And I don't know how much of that was on him or how much of that was on his teammates, but what do you think about that comp, just at least in terms of style of play? I think he's probably faster than during the Werfel was, which he's probably going to need with their offensive yeah. line. But <laughs> is that is that a fair comp in terms of style? Um, I, I guess so. Uh, you know, Chris, that, you know, if you could compare to Danny Werfel, you're doing a lot of things right. I mean, he was he was an outstanding player, as you said, for Florida and, and later on in the NFL, but um, I don't know that I've seen enough of Ken Seal to really make a comparison with, with anybody just yet, but uh, that's a good one. I, I was impressed with the way he moved around. One of the things I really love, 
liked is when they went a little more up-tempo, and there was a spot in the first half where they hit gas or get to the line, and he was spreading the ball around, and I thought that was when their offense was really the most effective, and you know, I talked to Todd Fitch about that yesterday. He said, hey, that's that's not something we want to do all the time, but you know, pick our spots, and you, know, you can you can get the other opponent, the, the opponent a little bit gassed, you know, get that defense uh, you know, where they can't make those substitutions, but I, I liked when they did that, and, and you hope the running game can uh, be effective enough to uh, to give Seals uh, you know, some, some options there, whether it's throwing or, or keeping it on the ground. Well, and here's where the comp comes from, right? That wasn't just what we saw in games. That's very consistent with what I have seen of him in practice. When he makes mistakes, maybe sometimes he does not see a defender uh, or maybe misreads mm-hmm. the situation a little bit. Like the interception, the second one, he just threw that one up in a group of defenders. And Werfel did not do that, right? But – he seems to know, like when when he says this is where I want the ball to go, his ability to get it to that spot from based on what I have seen and limited sample size and games and practices has been very, very, very consistent. So again, just so nobody misunderstands, I'm not comparing him to Danny Werfel and saying he's that good. He may turn out to be that way. But what I am saying is in terms of when you think of how a guy plays, in the attributes that he brings to the table, I have sure. seen in in what I in, and it's just what I've seen. Maybe history will undo that comparison, and this will sound silly, but that has been consistent with what I've seen ninety eight percent of the time. Cold takes exposed already, and we just got here. Uh, yeah, I, I I think everybody wearing the black and gold and who pulls for this program will be very happy if Ken Seals' uh, career can be anything like Danny Werfel's. Uh, again, I just really liked his poise as much as anything. Uh, you just didn't see him get very rattled, you know, and, and there there were some fans in the stands. There was some noise. It wasn't like they were playing just in an empty stadium, which is sort of like a, a practice atmosphere, as we've seen down with, with some of these games. But I, I think one of the keys, too, is, is how much they can get done on the ground, how effective the offensive line can be, because it's a, you know, it's a group where they, they plug some guys in. You know, they had a few opt-outs uh, on that offensive front, and, uh, that they they look to have some some decent weapons at the receiver spots. I really like Abdul Rahman uh, coming back and Cam Johnson, and uh, we saw a little bit of uh, Tyrell Alexander. I think he had a catch too, and Chris Pierce. Uh, but yeah, they spread the ball around to several different receivers, and uh, you know we'll see what those guys get done. Uh, how much the the tight ends could be a compliment. But game number one for Ken Seals, you, you got to give him a passing grade, even though uh, the team came up short in the end. I have a feeling this is going to be a three-way backfield all season when everybody's healthy. Is that your assessment of things? It is. Uh, we only saw Wakefield and Marlowe in the first game. Henry Brooks uh, was out. Uh, the, the plan going in was to play all three against Texas A&M and then uh, see where it went from there. But uh, I, I thought Wakefield and Marlowe were a pretty nice little one-two punch. Uh, Marlowe uh, had some nice runs. Uh, 16 carries for 65 and uh, caught a couple passes too. And Wakefield, we'd seen more of him. Uh, Jamari with 15 carries for 37 yards and uh, three catches for 16. So they threw the ball to those backs. Uh, but, you know, Keon Henry Brooks, you know, is a, is a, is a guy with some speed. Uh, looking forward to seeing him too. But, yeah, I, to answer your original question, I, I do think it's a, it's going to be a, sort of a, a running back group by committee. It's it's not the workhorse of Keyshawn Vaughn that we've seen the last couple of years. I think when when healthy, all three of these guys uh, will be a factor as far as uh, getting some carries. One other thing that didn't get talked about a lot after the game, the offensive line, I, I mean, that's been talked about, and it, it played better than anybody expected. But I think all five of those guys went the whole way 
And as far as I know, they're all healthy heading into LSU. Yeah, it's, uh, I haven't heard anything as far as any sort of health issues for, for those guys. To me, the most intriguing one is, is Drew Birchmeyer at right guard, who had been playing defensive line and uh, moved over to to offensive line and, and got the start at guard the other night against Texas A&M. This is a guy that has a whole lot of things going on. Uh, he's a graduate student. He was working on his master's. Uh, he got married this summer. Yeah, as I mentioned, he spent the last three years on the defensive line. And Joe Fisher interviewed him before the game and asked him, like, hey, you know, is playing O-line maybe something you're looking down the road, you know, that could be your future in football? And he said, yeah, for sure. But uh, I, I, they approached him about going to the O-line, and, and he uh, was all for it. And so uh, got to start at guard, and I, I thought everything went pretty well. But hey, as a group, I, I thought all five of those guys played okay. And, you know, especially for – the, the situation you're in and, and just the, the unusual offseason and being down some people, I, I thought they probably performed about as well as uh, Vanderbilt could have hoped for. The crazy thing about the defense, I thought their performance was outstanding. Uh, now, maybe other teams aren't going to cough the ball up three times, which they had a lot to do with. but And there were some big plays they gave up, but the defensive line – was as good as it's been in ages. Uh, and they did what they did without Dimitri Moore, which, you know, you get him back and that has to help. Yeah, Austin Orgy, he moved up and got to start that inside linebacker spot. He and his brother, Anthony, I, I thought both those guys played pretty well. Uh, Dio's off to a good start. Seven tackles, a sack, couple tack tackles for loss in that game. I thought Texas A&M did do some things that helped Vanderbilt in that game and helped Vanderbilt stay close. There was once where they kicked a field goal where I, I was surprised uh, in the second half, and I, I thought they might have should have gone for it and try to go ahead and get the, the touchdown right there. The, the play that resulted in a safety on the return made absolutely no sense. There was no reason to run you know, what, 20 yards across the back of the end zone and, and try to come out the other side. Uh, that, that was silly. And, and you know, v Vanderbilt did a good job, too, uh, of limiting the penalties now. One was for the personal foul on the sideline. One was on Coach Mason at the end. The other one was a five-yarder on a delay of game that they took intentionally on a punt. So Vanderbilt didn't hurt itself in that regard. None of the penalties they took were anything you know like a, a false start or an offsides or you know some of the thing, things you might expect in a season opener. But as far as the defense goes, I, I thought one thing they accomplished was is they got to look at a lot of different people. There were 11 guys listed in the secondary on the uh, initial depth chart going into the Texas A&M game. And I seem to notice pretty much every one of those guys either in there or making something happen. You, you saw a lot of different people get looks. And I, I think that was a whole lot of the design for, for Ted Roof and, and head coach Derek Mason. Uh, but, I, you know, they were down a few guys, too, including Dimitri Moore. And I know they hope he, he can be back this week. But I, I thought the defense overall performed well. I thought Texas A&M probably should have ran the football more. That that was where they were most effective, I, I think, if they could have if they had just, just pounded the football, but they didn't do it. And uh, you know, I, the part of the game plan, I was talking to Ted Roof yesterday, he said one of the things we wanted to do was make Callum Mond be a quarterback and not let him get out and, and run and, and do the things where he can really hurt you in, in that way. And they were able to do that. He didn't run nearly as much as I was expecting him to, and, and part of that's credit to Vanderbilt's defense. So uh, we'll, we'll see how they do against LSU. LSU gave up 44, but they also scored 34. Uh, Miles Brennan uh, is the new quarterback who, Luckily for Vanderbilt, they don't have to play Joey Burrow again this year. And some of those weapons at LSU had all those uh, first-round draft picks. But uh, their, their defense will have their hands full again tomorrow night. But game one against A&M, they, they held them down. They only scored 17 points. I think you can uh, certainly take that as a positive going into game two. Before we get to LSU, 
I want to ask you about Anthony Orgy because he, to me, was the hardest player to size up what his role would be this year. I'm not sure what he is, if he's a if he's a safety-playing linebacker or a linebacker playing safety or, or whatever. And then you throw in the fact that Demetri Moore was hurt, which probably gets him on the field more. What's your take on where he is and where that's headed for him this season? Uh, I think that's an interesting question about him being a safety-playing linebacker. Anthony Orgy uh, listed at 6'2 and 224. Uh, you know, he's a sophomore. His brother Austin is a junior. Guy's out of Texas, but – uh, he got his uh, Amford, he got his first career start against A and M and had seven tackles and uh, I thought thought he looked like a pretty effective player. Uh, uh, they, they seem like uh, interesting guys and uh, you know certainly they they're pretty pretty highly touted players. Both of them coming out of uh, Rockwall High School down in Texas. Yeah, I, I did not realize. I think he's added a few pounds since I last checked because I think he was in the two teens. So maybe the, the yeah. weight probably answers the question a bit. But okay, let's turn to LSU for a minute. I'm watching that game a little bit at the end last week, and you see the box score. And my first thought was that you don't want to get a ticked-off LSU team, one that you know has talent, and they restock. And I know that they lost this guy and that guy, but you know it's like Vanderbilt baseball. You just reload with different guys. Maybe it takes some time, but there's going to be talent there. You know, on the other hand, it's early in the season. You can say what you want about the talent, and I know they didn't have Derek Stingley, and that will make a big difference, but – he give up 632 passing to a quarterback Woo. playing his first game. Uh, I'd say there's a hole or two there. <laughs> there's no question about that. That number just jumps off the page that LSU gave up 623 passing yards and five touchdowns uh, against Mississippi State through the air. That, that I had to read that one two or three times though when I took a look at it. But I think you're right about not wanting to face a team that's probably heard all the things that LSU has heard this week, whether it's from their own coaches whether it's from everybody else, whether it's, you know, getting lit up on social media. But, I mean, you, you look at what all they have lost. It is remarkable. They had 10 first-time starters in that game against Mississippi State, three of them true freshmen. Uh, they had 14 players that were drafted this year, five in the first round and two in the second round, including Christian Fulton, who plays for the uh, Titans these days. But, man, to see LSU's defense get lit up like that through the air is crazy because you, you think about what the strengths of that program have been over the years. They always have great defensive linemen. I mean, they send guys to the NFL one after another from that defensive front, and they always seem to have good good secondary people. Uh, you know, it just those seem like those are just trademarks of LSU's defense year after year. And to see that kind of number put up against them last week uh, was crazy. Um, I, I'm sure they will have things a little bit more locked down the, this week against Vanderbilt when we see them uh, over uh, at the stadium tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll be Vanderbilt will be facing. I, I would think a pretty ticked off group of, of Tigers that come into Nashville. Well, and Stingley tilts the matchup a good bit because last year he had six picks and fifteen breakups as a freshman, which is outstanding for anybody, much less a freshman. So, I figure they will put him on an outside guy, and Amir Abdul Rahman is clearly their best outside guy. I think Cam will probably play in the slot again this week. I'm guessing so. Yeah, that I puts, think that's where they want to. I think that's where they want to play Cam. Yeah, and I, I think so too. He could do either one, but I think he's an ideal slot receiver. But to me, that puts a lot of pressure on Cam this week because I think that that's probably going to do a lot to neutralize Amir. So then it's on Cam and it's on the running game, and I think that's where we've got a lot of questions about them against anybody. Yeah, for sure. And uh, 
yeah, having Stingley back will, will make all the difference. He, he missed last week uh, with an illness. It, you know, as soon as they say, well, he's he's out, you think, uh oh, he's got the, you know some sort of deal related to the coronavirus, and that was not the case. I guess he just got sick on Friday and uh, wasn't able to play on Saturday against Mississippi State, and that that might have been a difference maker in that game to not have him out there, but. He is one of the uh, three returning starters uh, on defense, at least according to the uh, depth chart that's out this week. They have two returning starters back on offense, uh, the right tackle and the receiver, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., and three back on defense, including Stingley and Jacoby Stevens and their defensive tackle, Glenn Logan, and and that's it. But uh, Stingley's... you figure he will make a big difference, especially with the, you know, whoever he's on, whether it's Abdul Rahman or somebody else uh, in this game. Did you see the SEC shorts bit about LSU this week? No, I didn't. Oh, it was classic. Uh, they had a barbecue setting at, with the SEC West. You've seen these, right? Uh huh. Yes. And the guy that's the main character is the LSU fan at the thing, and he keeps talking about how their run defense only gave up nine yards. It was, it was, it was quite comical. Uh, you, you have to see it. it. It's only the way that they can do it right. I mean, they, they nail these things just about every time. But Yeah, the, the run defense had it locked down. It was uh, that the passing defense it was a big problem on Saturday. Uh, those things are pretty funny. I, I, I get a kick out of those. I had not seen that particular one, though. That, that's good. I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah, that's worth three and a half minutes of your time. But it does beg a question because – Vanderbilt ran the ball more than he threw it a week ago. And, and of course, State didn't have to run the ball uh, because when you're throwing for 632, why try anything else? But it does beg some questions. We don't really know what LSU's got on in, in terms of run defense, I, I would presume, I mean, after, after that one. So that, to me, is a little bit of a mystery. I think Vandy's going to have a hard time running the ball against anybody. But how they size it up as a staff and say, well, wait a minute, you know, they gave up all these yards through the air last week. Uh, we're going to have a tough time running the football and creating holes, although the, the line did a better job of that than I anticipated. But that's a little bit of a mystery to me is what Vanderbilt goes into this in terms of game plan in light of just the, the wacky stats on the other end of the ball for LSU last week. Yeah, I know. Yeah, try not to put too much on one game. And, and take too much away from that, that Mississippi State LSU game and, and, and the 623 that we've talked about and and, and <laughs> what the run defense did in relation to that. I think a lot of Vanderbilt's uh, best plan will just try to be to maybe throw short passes to those running backs rather than just trying to you know pound them into the line and, and see if it works that way. Another thing, the, the backs did pretty well, uh, as the coaches noted, uh, they did a pretty good job of picking up blitzers, you know, picking up pass rushers, you know, when they had to make a block. And I, I noticed that a few times during the game the other night, too, uh, you know, whether it was uh, Wakefield or Marlowe, I thought, the, I thought they both did a pretty good job in that. And, you know, giving Seals a little bit of extra time to deliver the football. Kevin, anything else about this matchup that stands out or anything about last week that we didn't cover that's worth mentioning before we end the show? Just notice that they had the – one thing that stands out about LSU that I noticed in their game notes is that they have the oldest player in college football. Their punter, Zach von Rosenberg, is 30 years old uh, playing uh, college ball. So, I, I, you know, he's he's one of those guys. His leg is probably pretty well rested after last year. I, he probably didn't. I, I'll have to go back and look at the stats. I can't imagine he had very many punts to, uh, to even worry about last season. 
Speaking of punting, I, I might just should have kept my mouth shut on the Werfel comp. I, that that's one that, that that's <laughs> no, that's a it's okay. that, no. that's a win big you bet. Step out there, man. Well, that's that's kind of my style. And look, the point of a comp sometimes is, is not to get it exactly right, but it's to paint a picture of the way a guy tends to play. And I do think I'm trying to think of who else he reminds me of. His arm is not. It's not a rocket arm, but it it just it does the job and it gets it where it needs to be. And frankly, that's I think he's in that family of quarterback. Maybe Rick Stock still uh, would be that type of player too. That might be a pretty good comp as well. But I really do think that this is going to be a kid that I think when we look back four years from now, I don't think he will have disappointed us. No, I, I don't think so either. only tomorrow night against LSU, but seeing him throughout the season. You know, you asked me for some kind of final thoughts. I thought the coordinators, they, they seem like good additions to this uh, this program, uh, Todd Fitch and Ted Roof. I mean, both experienced guys. They've been around over 30 years each and you know have had experience as coordinators, as head coaches, have done a little bit of everything. So you, you got two veteran guys there in those roles who know what they're doing. I, I just thought the, the game against A&M, it just went way, way better than, than I expected it to. Uh, and, and to be honest, I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't really had a chance to to watch a whole lot of practice. I've seen seen a little bit of the scrimmages and so forth. But it, it's kind of like any other opener. You just don't really know what to expect. And especially going on, going on the road and, and playing a, a ranked team in the SEC, you know, what's this going to be like? And they came right down. They opened up strong. They, they drove the ball and kicked a field goal and got on the board. I just thought that was so important. You know, if you go three and out and you punt and you know, next thing you know, you're just trying to find points of any kind. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you wonder what kind of night it's going to be. I just thought they did a good job of hanging around and and, you know, just just being solid and, and not making a bunch of dumb mistakes. And you know, they had a couple of turnovers, but they didn't commit a bunch of stupid penalties. I, I and really, I mean, they were driving with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. That That's about all you can ask in a, in a season opener. You can uh, you certainly saw a lot of things with, with Vanderbilt that uh, you can feel good about and feel optimistic about, even in a, in a five-point loss. Kevin, tell the folks out there how they can hear the broadcast, whether that's locally or on the app. And one thing, I don't know how familiar you are with this, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but I was listening to the pregame last week, and on the app they made mention – I think of some piece of software or website that you can go to where you can actually sync the audio of you three, you and Joe and Norman with the TV. So if you have any insight on that, uh, maybe share that here and just tell people where they can hear the broadcast in general. Well, uh, 93.3 is going to be your best bet locally, also 8.30 a.m., 93.3 FM and 8.30 a.m. here locally on the radio. But, uh, yeah, you can also tune in online. Um, you know, you can, you can follow the game on the uh, various social media platforms, but we are doing uh, something new and a little bit different, uh, for some of our, our pregame tomorrow night for our tailgate show, the first 45 minutes, we're going to be, uh, using some new gear that the Learfield IMG college has put together. And we're going to give you some, uh, some video content. Uh, Norman and I will be doing that. Um, I have trained my very best to, uh, to be my best, both you know, radio host and uh, TV producer for this thing. Uh, we used it some for baseball, but uh, you'll be uh, looking at us inside the booth and also some shots of the stadium. And then during uh, during the breaks, we're going to have some fun features for you. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, that will be on Facebook Live, uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all those places. Uh, we'll be uh, carrying that. And also, you know, I Learfield IMG College, they, they have a page on Facebook. You can go and 
and and watch people like to watch announcers in the booth during the game. We will not have that set up for, for us just yet, but we will have the first 45 minutes uh, of the uh, tailgate show. We will be going live uh, on there. So if you want to uh, take a look and, uh, and have some fun with us, uh, Norman and I will be bringing you some, some video content. And your Twitter handle in case uh, people don't follow you there. Where is that? It's uh, K Ingram sports, K Ingram sports. Hey, thanks for joining us today, Kevin. Anytime, Chris. Chris, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, looking for a fun opener the other night, and uh, we'll see how you. Yeah, should be fun. He's Kevin Ingram. I'm Chris Levy, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we'll have more episodes coming to you next week.